We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. Today we are talking the 10 most realistic Buffalo Bills candidates right here today on Talking Buffalo. Welcome everybody to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you for listening, for watching, for following, for subscribing. I appreciate you all very, very much. Today typically would be a Fan Friday episode, but because I was on a vacation all of last week, I didn't really interact with people and put it out there for uh, watchers and, and listeners of the show to send in their questions and comments. So we're going to scrap that today, and instead we're going to do 10 players that I think, and this is my own personal opinion here on today's episode, that are most realistically um, have a possibility to get cut by the Buffalo Bills over the course of the next couple days, weeks, or maybe even uh, months. A couple quick things here, and then we'll get cooking. By the way, I'm going to rank these, and I got 10 from the order of least likeliest to get cut to most likeliest to get cut. A um, couple of programming notes. Next Monday, which will actually be the next episode after today, uh, that's going to be a special episode of Talking Buffalo. Special for two reasons. Number one, we're going to be celebrating our six-year anniversary of this podcast. And I got to tell you, that really blows my mind. Come Monday, six years ago, um, I launched Talking Buffalo podcast. At the time, it was not Talking Buffalo. It was called Moranalytics podcast. At times, I can still remember like it was yesterday. I was in Florida living there, got homesick, decided I wanted to have a stronger connection to my hometown of Buffalo, New York. So I decided to start the podcast. Had no pre previous uh, podcasting experience. In fact, podcasts were nowhere near as popular six years ago as they are today. Of course, this is a, uh, you know, an industry that is just absolutely exploded and is booming. But anyway, I spent a lot of time watching videos, uh, tutorials, learning about audio gear, 
Um, eventually, video gear was no video when we first started the show. And then I kind of tapped into my, my previous uh, Buffalo sports media connections to get off to a good start. I remember reaching out to Sal Capaccio, who was the first ever guest on the show, uh, Tim Graham, Jay Skursky, and Tyler Dunn. Tyler Dunn, of course, public enemy number one these days with Buffalo Bills fans. Uh, at the time, I think he worked for the Buffalo News uh, when I reached out to him. I've known Tyler for a long, long time. But anyway, those are the four people that I reached out to that I wanted to have very early on, kind of helped me get off the ground running a little bit with the podcast, establish some cred uh, right away. And of course, they all agreed. And I'm still to this day very grateful for them. And now, I don't know, like 730 episodes later, here we are, six years of Talking Buffalo. So we're going to celebrate that Monday and also going to celebrate that with three of my favorite Buffalo Bills content creators in the game. Um, a podcaster's roundtable, same three guys. So it's kind of not just the sixth anniversary episode, but it's also the fourth annual podcasters roundtable that I've done on this show. I'm going to be joined by Greg Thompson from Cover One, Bruce Nolan from Buffalo Rumblings, and Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills. And we're going to have a roundtable. And again, for the fourth straight year, we're going to talk about everything and anything except the Buffalo Bills. We're going to talk about podcasting, content creating, life, all kinds of stuff. A chance to really get to know not just those guys, but some of the, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit, taking you behind the scenes of what they do and how they produce their content. It's been a lot of fun to do over the first three years. I anticipate uh, much more of the same. Anyway, so that's Monday, six-year six anniversary episode, fourth annual podcast roundtable. Looking forward to, uh, to doing that. In terms of today, by the way, I just want to put this out there too, make sure I give the credit before I forget later on. Going to end up throwing out a bunch of salary cap numbers, cap hits for certain Buffalo Bills players, um, what their dead cap number will be if any of these players are released, what the cap savings will be, if the Bills move on from the, any of these guys. And I want to make sure that I credit Spot Rack because all these numbers that I throw out there today on this episode are from Spot Rack. Um, and speaking of, as many of you know, if you follow the Bills, they are in terrible salary cap shape right now. And I mean terrible. $51 million over, nearly $52 million. Again, according to Spot Rack. And look, for the rest of the episode, I'm not going to keep saying it according to Spot Rack. I throw a number out there, it's because I got it from SpotRex. So all credit to them. But anyway, nearly $52 million over the cap. And uh, as of this taping, only the New Orleans Saints are more over the cap uh, than the Buffalo Bills. And I want to put out there that there's going to be plenty of non-cuts that Brandon Bean does involving the Buffalo Bills over the course of the next handful of days and weeks to. Uh, get the team under the cap enough where they can sufficiently be able to operate. Uh, there'll be player restructures, multiple player restructures. I'm sure might get a couple extensions where, uh, you know, they, a player gets an extension, which may be long-term pushes the cap more, but this year gives them cap relief. Even if the player is going to make more money. Um, and of course there are definitely going to be some player cuts, 10, 
possible ones that we're going to talk about uh, today. In terms of restructures, Josh Allen is a lock. And look, I'm not going to get into what the Bills can save with restructures. In fact, if you're looking to find out that information, I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you check out the Cover One Salary Cap Extravaganza Special that just dropped on Thursday. Um, Greg Thompson leads that crew. They do an incredible job. They will break down. Greg's like uh, literally a contract wizard, man. They will break down restructures, what can be saved, all that stuff. Not really here to do that today. Today is about me giving opinions on players that I think may be cut. But anyway, Josh Allen's going to get restructured. Stefan Diggs maybe gets restructured. High salary gap, multiple years left on his deal. Again, I don't want to get into the, the intimacies, the pros and cons of restructuring a player like Stefan Diggs. Not on today's episode anyway. Um, there's a guy, maybe two guys or even three that are on this cut list that we're going to go over here in just a minute. They could easily be restructured or, or extension candidates. Um, Deion Dawkins, who, by the way, spoiler alert, he is not on this top 10 realistic potential cut list. Uh, he could get an extension. Teron Johnson, also not on this list. Uh, he could get an extension. And then I want to throw out there two names that I'm sure a lot of fans are wondering, will the Bills cut them because their roles have been diminished or because they're not worth the money? Um, I'm here to tell you right now, Dawson Knox and Tyler Bass are two guys I'm talking about. They're not getting cut. They're not getting cut. Uh, Dawson Knox has the fifth highest, as things stand right now, he has the fifth highest salary cap hit on the Buffalo Bills for 2024. He's probably not even going to be the starting tight end in 2024. So naturally, you would think like, well, the Bills should just cut him. Well, it's not going to happen because the Buffalo Bills would end up having to eat like $20 million in dead cap money to save less than $2 million. And they wouldn't even be able to get that savings unless they designated it a post-June 1st cut. So Dawson Knox ain't going nowhere despite the salary cap hit. I mean, maybe the Bills, again, restructuring is always an option with players who have multiple years left on their deal. But as things stand right now, Dawson Knox is the fifth highest cap hit. And still, even if he's not starting, and even if his role gets further diminished with the emergence of Dalton Kincaid, your boy ain't going anywhere. Tyler Bass, um, three missed field goals in the playoffs. Really shitty down the stretch. Can you trust him right now in January? I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there that would like to see the Bills move on from Tyler Bass. Or at the very least, maybe bring in draft a kicker, side a kicker, who may be able to push him during training camp. Again, I'm here to tell you that is almost impossible. Never say never, but almost impossible because the Bills would have to really, and I mean really, really be down on Tyler Bass. Like down to the point Brandon B's down on him to the point that there's no coming back. Because if the Bills were to cut him, whether that's tomorrow or whether that's after June 1st, doesn't really matter. If the Bills cut him, essentially they would be eating over $7 million of dead cap to save hundred grand of cap space, which is literally nothing at this point. So the Bills would have to eat $7 million just to cut Tyler Bass and still have to draft or, or sign a kicker. So short of Brandon Bean being willing to eat millions of dollars to get rid of his kicker, 
that he just signed to a long-term extension over this past offseason. Um, it's not going to happen. So you have that. And uh, so those are the two names. And I will say, too, the, the Bills, they're going to radically, you know, they're going to get this number down, the cap number, without cuts. But there are going to be tough cuts. You know, end of the day, Brandon Bean is on a different boat than he's been on every year since 2019. And that's just the way it is because of the, the cap situation that the Buffalo Bills are in right now. You know, since 2019, so in the 2018 season, Brandon Bean traded all players, cut players, created a lot of dead cap space for one year. But because of that, from 2019 on, he's been able to operate, I don't want to say completely freely, but with a lot less restrictions than he's going to have this year. And by the way, sometime next week at one of our episodes, we're going to take kind of a deep dive into Brandon Bean's 2023 offseason. We'll go through uh, the free agents that he signed, additions during the season, the trade during the season, the draft, all that stuff. So we'll kind of we'll dive into the job that he did last offseason. Quite frankly, I think this offseason is going to be more challenging for him because, again, of the salary cap, but that'll be next week. For now, I want to dive into the 10 most realistic Buffalo Bills cut candidates. And again, I'm saying realistic here. I am not by any means. And I want to make this disclaimer right now. I want to preface this right now. Pretty much, if, if, if I'm wrong, I'll let you know at the time. But most of these people, I'm not predicting they're getting cut. I'm just saying it's realistically possible for them to get cut. Like Dawson Knox, I don't think it's realistically possible for the Bills, realistically, to cut him. Stefan Diggs, I really don't want to get into a Stefan Diggs drama conversation right now. But bottom line is, with all the money they'd have to eat just for minimal savings, or unless they do it after post-June 1st, but still, 30-something million hours or whatever being dead cap, I just don't think it's realistic for the Bills to, to cut Stefan Diggs. I think it's semi-realistic, semi, I'll say semi, that maybe they find a trading partner for him over the summer. That's not impossible, but cutting them ain't going to happen. Again, I'm talking here, realistic cuts, and uh, I'm not predicting that it's going to happen. I'm just saying it could happen. And as we go down the list, I'll be less and less surprised. Well, let's start at number 10. Again, I'm doing these in order from least likely to most likely. And I'm going to start at number 10 with Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller is carrying a $23.784 million cap hit this year. That's a lot of money for a guy coming off an ACL. A lot of money for a guy, if you include the playoffs, I think he played 13 games last year and didn't produce a sack. Why is he even on this list? Because, again, it is possible that the Bills decided to move on, but I think it is highly, highly, highly unlikely. And here's why. Looking at the numbers, if the Bills were to move on, $17 million they'd eat in dead cap money this year, $15 million in dead cap money in 2025 to save $6.7 million on the 2024 cap. And this is if they do it after June 1st. And for anyone out there who might be watching or listening and they don't know what it, the difference is between cutting somebody now and cut somebody post-June 1st, a June 1st designation. If you cut somebody post-June 1st, you can break off dead money 
over the course of the contract for multiple years. However, the money you save for the salary cap doesn't go into effect until June 1st. So if the Bills just, for the sake of discussion, were to cut Von Miller, forget about the dead cap money and all the, all the shit they got to eat. They get $6.7 million of cap relief for this year. However, they can't use that until June 1st. So if there's a free agent that you're interested in sometime in April or May, that cap money for Von Miller, you don't have it. You don't have it to June 1st. So that's the difference between that. But anyway, in terms of Von Miller, I, I would say, I mean, I have him on the realistic case here, so I can't say it's impossible, but it is just really highly unlikely because of the money and also, quite frankly, because of the fact that I thought he played better near the end of the season. I can't believe I'm saying this, and I've said it a few times on the podcast, but Vaughn Miller was one of the best players on the Buffalo Bills defense against the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. Now, that's not setting the bar very high because pretty much everybody on the Bills defensive line did absolutely nothing against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. But Vaughn Miller did more than Ed Oliver. He did more than Leonard Floyd. He did more than A.J. Abanessa. I think at the very end of the season, started to see a little bit of that bend back, a little bit of that urgency in his pass rush, a little less cautious. And I know his health obviously had a lot to do with that. But anyway, short of Von Miller getting suspended, and let's be honest here, folks, I think best case for the Buffalo Bills would be if Von Miller got suspended for what happened off the field during the bye week last year. If that were to happen, the Bills, that guarantee money would become void and the Bills could cut them and get out of a hell of a lot of money. But assuming that doesn't happen, I think he doesn't go anywhere. Even though I have him listed here, I'd be shocked if he goes anywhere, just because again, you're going to eat $32 million over the course of two years to save a little less than $7 million going into uh, the salary cap for this year. And again, not till after June 1st. Number nine, Russell Douglas. And I got to tell you, I have a hard time putting him on this list right now and having a straight face doing it because the Bills traded for him right before the, the trade deadline. And he was outstanding, outstanding for the Buffalo Bills down the stretch. Got hurt, and he played against Kansas City, but he was nowhere near, you know, his, uh, nowhere near 100%. Anyway, the only case scenario, and again, I'm trying to keep it, like, realistic here, where I could see Russell Douglas getting cut is Christian Benford, a guy that's name's going to be thrown out here a handful of times today. But you really, really like Christian Benford at one corner, and you have confidence and faith, and maybe to a fault, Brandon Bean ends up having loyalty to Trey White, and you're confident he can get all the way back, and you work out some kind of deal with Trey White. More on him in a minute. Spoiler alert: he's on this list. In fact, he's ranked pretty high. But anyway, Brandon Bean decides he's going to keep Trey White. You already got Christian Benford. And you got Kyrie Elam as probably this year's or next year's Dane Jackson. Let's just say that that, that third corner boundary guy will play if either of them get hurt. Um, if that's the case, and you're really, really strapped for cash, which by the way, we got to throw this out there. When you're in salary cap hell, and this is something 
that this team right now, this run by the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen as the star quarterback, we haven't had to experience this yet because the Bills haven't had to make cuts because of money. Cuts the Bills have made have been more about football moves. Cutting this guy because they can get an upgrade. Signing this guy because he's better than what you had on the roster. For the first time, the Bills are going to have to make some decisions based more on money than anything else. And you look at Rasul Douglas and you say to yourself, no dead cap money whatsoever, $9 million contract for next year. So if the Bills were to move on from him, they can instantly, you know, in a snap of a finger tomorrow, save $9 million. That's the only reason why I have him on this list. Because I want to be really clear. I'm saying realistic cut scenarios. And I think he is a realistic cut scenario because the Bills could save $9 million when they have other good corners on this team. But I want to be real clear about this. In no way, shape, or form do I think Rasul Douglas is going to get cut. Nor do I. In fact, I think it's one of the biggest no-brainers of anyone on this list or for the offseason for that matter that Rasul Douglas is back with the Buffalo Bills and starting at corner uh, in 2024. All right, continuing on here. Number eight, I got Connor McGovern, uh, starting guard for the Bills. He has a $7.9 million cap hit for this year, $6 million in dead cap space if the Bills were to cut him right now. So they would eat six point, or they would eat $6 million to cut him right now to save $1.9 million against the cap if they cut him right now. That ain't happening. Let's just put that out there right now. That is not happening. Potentially, number-wise, this might make a little more sense here uh, for the Buffalo Bills. They cut Connor McGovern, but again, just like we talked about earlier with Vaughn Miller, they would use a post-June 1st designation. If they were to do that, the Bills would have $2 million in dead cap money this year. They'd have $4 million in dead cap money pushed to 2025. And they would save $5.9 million with a post-June 1st uh, designation. Again, I want to be clear. I'm not predicting this, and I don't think it's going to happen. But I could at least be talked into this scenario. I could be talked into it for a couple of reasons. Number one, Ryan Bates is a very capable guard who started for the Bills in 2022. Um, didn't have to play this year because the Bills offensive line literally played every game together, which is pretty amazing considering all the other injuries uh, to this team this year. But anyway, you got Ryan Bates in the fold. Uh, you have David Edwards, who's a free agent. I thought he played very well in that six offensive line role. He had the highest PFF run blocking grade of anybody on the team who played a minimum amount of snaps this year uh, for the Bills. So I could see a scenario potentially where you go out and you re-sign David Edwards for a couple million dollars and tell him you're going to be the starter. And Ryan Bates stays in, who's under contract and a good contract for the Bills, a pretty team-friendly contract for the Bills. Um, he stays in that same role that he was last year. Only realistic scenario that I could come up with. And again, I want to be real clear here. I don't think the Bills are going to do that. I think... This was far and away the best offensive line that Josh Allen has had throughout his uh, entire run as starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. And I don't see Brandon Bean tinkering with that. Four of the five are under contract right now. 
let me walk what I just said back because I don't want to sound like an idiot in a minute. I don't see him tinkering when it comes to Connor McGovern playing guard. Let me be a little more clear about that. I just, to cut him with a post-June 1st designation again, I think the Bills are going to need cap relief now. You could cut one of these guys post-June 1st designation and you could say, you know what? We can use that money to put towards signing draft picks or having to get a couple more camp bodies or whatever it may be. But the Bills need to create money now through restructures, through extensions, through some player cuts. And Connor McGovern, you know, having to, to eat $6 million just to save less than two, I just don't see that. Plus, he played pretty damn well for the Bills. So I don't think he's going to get cut. Oh, next on the list here, Hunter, Sam Martin, $2.285 million cap hit. The Bills would only have to eat 800 k of dead money to cut him, and they could save $1.250 million in uh, savings against the cap this year. I'll say this, not, that's not significant savings. Um, you know, 1.2 million, not significant at all. To me, this would be a pure football move. And this might be the only guy on this list that I could see getting cut purely for football reasons that don't really have anything to do with money. And I know it sounds weird because he was the AFC, uh, special teams player of the month for December, but he struggled really bad for a lot of the season up until then. So is he going to get cut now? No, it doesn't make much sense to really cut him right now. What I could see, though, is the Bills drafting or signing a punter and bringing him into camp. Sam Martin could become a, a training camp cut if he gets beat out by another punter. And again, I didn't necessarily say that these are 10 guys that the Bills could realistically cut tomorrow, but Sam Artie could potentially not make it out of a uh, training camp uh, as a Buffalo Bill. One more than a quick break here, and this is a big name, folks. Jordan Poyer, $7.47 million cap hit. The Bills would eat $2 million in dead cap space by cutting him, uh, but they would save $5.47 million. Um, and that would be the same if they did it tomorrow or post June 1st. So when it comes to Jordan Poyer, there's no real, uh, it doesn't matter if, if they cut him now or if they cut him later. And I look at his contract and the player and everything about him, the age, everything he's done throughout his career, how he looked this past season. And I'll say this, if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm certainly not cutting Jordan Poyer. I think it's nearly a foregone conclusion. I don't want to say completely 100% as we record this that Micah Hyde has done as a Buffalo Bill, whether he retires altogether or whether he tries to, to catch on with another team to finish out his career. And I don't necessarily buy or think that Brandon Bean wants to move on from both his safeties in one year. I think in a, in a perfect world, whether it's a draft or a, an addition, the Bills get a Somebody take high spot, and then you have Jordan Poyer out there. That said, though, you know, if you're cap crunching here, I almost didn't get that word out. But anyway, if you're if you're crunching dollars here, if you're pinching pennies here, which again, the bills are $51 million over the cap right now. They're going to have to cut probably at least 
one to three or four players that they would never cut in a normal offseason. Like if this was a year ago, two years ago, and I was throwing out these Jordan Poyer numbers, there's no way in hell it would even be a consideration because he's still a good football player. He's not the all-pro player that he was a few years ago, but he's still a pretty good football player. One of the few guys that stepped up on defense and made a big play against the Chiefs in the playoffs. But anyway, I could see him realistically getting cut. And I could see that in part because of the cap savings. Talking almost $5.5 million in cap savings. And then another scenario where I could see the Bills moving on from Poyer is you take it into account that money and then you look at, say, a, a Taylor Rapp and you say, same type of player, but younger and maybe cheaper. Like maybe the Bills can re-sign Taylor Rapp for a two-year deal, maybe averaging four to five million a year. Tell him he's going to be your starter this year. So I could see that scenario where the Bills decide to keep Taylor Rapp. And if they do that, then they're certainly going to probably uh, move on from Jordan Poyer. I would hate to see it because I'm a big Jordan Poyer guy. It's been a great Buffalo Bill. and um, But, you know, again, we're in an offseason where money talks. Anyway, I'm going to take a real quick break. And then we're going to come back five through one. Most likeliest Buffalo Bills players who are realistic cut candidates. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I am back here on a Friday 
trying to butcher my way through um, 10 realistic Buffalo Bills cut candidates. By the way, not to be an excuse maker, I, I really hate that shit generally, but still kind of getting my legs back from me mentally, physically, from being out at sea for four or five days. I still feel a little bit off, um, feel a little bit rusty here behind the mic in front of the camera. So kind of give me a little bit of leeway here if I'm screwing up my words here a little bit. Hopefully you're still following along and at least you get the gist of what I'm saying. All right, I want to move on here at number five. And this one, and I'd hate to see it, but I think it's realistic. Mitch Morse. Mitch Morse has an $11.47 million cap it this year. Want to put it out there that Mitch Morse has already said that he would like to be back with the bill. So he isn't retiring. At least he does not plan on retiring as of right now. But anyway, Nearly $11.5 million cap it for the Bills this year. Um, they would have to eat $3 million of dead cap money to cut them, but they would save almost $8.5 million if they were to move on from him, whether they do that now, whether they do it in June 1st. So when it comes to a guy like Mitch Morris, when it comes to guys like Rasul Douglas or, or Jordan Poyer, these are guys where if you're looking to get big chunks of cap relief immediately and not down the road, June 1st, then Mitch Morse, unfortunately, uh, seems like a realistic candidate. I said this before with Conor McGovern, and I kind of, in the middle of it, walked it back because I knew, I remembered I was going to get to Mitch Morse here. But I'll say it again. The Buffalo Bills offensive line, this was their best offensive line that they've had Throughout Josh Allen's career, this is an opportunity to bring back all five. No, I will say this with Mitch Morse. You know, I got these guys listed as realistic cut candidates. Doesn't mean I think they're going to get cut. And it doesn't mean it's either cut or they just play what their cap number was supposed to be. Some of these guys, uh, like maybe even Jordan Poyer before that, maybe they sign an extension or some kind of deal where essentially they're they're kicking money down the road, knowing that they're not going to be around for that part of the contract and get more money up front, but a lesser cap hit for this year. I could see that with Mitch Morse. One thing I feel confident about saying with Mitch Morse is I don't think he's going to be the center for the Buffalo Bills in 2024 on a cap hit that is $11.47 million. I think the Bills go to Mitch Morse if they haven't been talking to him already. And maybe they try to assign him to like a two, maybe even a three-year extension. Where, like I said, they can kick the can with the salary cap down the road here a little bit. And then you get Mitch Morse back into the fold, but at a lesser cap number than they have right now. But if, for whatever reason, that doesn't work out, Mitch Morse doesn't want to do that or whatever it may be. Or maybe Brandon Bean just wants to move on. It is, without question to me, at least... uh I'm not going to say likely, because I don't know that it's likely, but I think it's a realistic possibility for sure. Jumping right into number four here, Saran Neal. Saran Neal, $3.413 million cap hit. Uh, the Bills would have to eat five hundred dollars of roughly of dead cap money, and then they would save about $2.9 million against the cap for this year. Look, I'm over special teams. I, I am sick of the Bills investing the way they do in special teams. Nobody, it seems to me anyway, nobody in the history of the NFL invests more money 
in special teams. In fact, I'm willing to bet you right now, I'm recording this Thursday evening, February 15th. I haven't even looked. I don't know when the hell freaking free agency starts. But you want to make a bet right now? I'll make a bet with you right now. The first free agent signing the Buffalo Bills make will be some special teams player. It might not even get to free agency. Some special teams player might get cut and the Bills are going to sign him before free agency. I'm telling you, I hate it. Not that important to me, man. I, well, actually, I say that, and then I can think of two games off the top of my head where special teams directly affected the Bills losing games this year against the Jets in the opener, against Denver at home, two attempts at a field goal. But anyway, my <laughs> kind of straight is my point. You invest all this money in special teams for what? Anyway, I got no problem with Saran Neal. He's not the worst player. You could do worse than him. But I like um, Cam Lewis better as a, a slot corner if Teron Johnson goes down than I do Saran Neal anyway. So to me, essentially, Saran Neal is a special teams player. And when you're in cap hell and you're $51 million goddamn dollars over the salary cap, there's just no way in hell that Saran Neal should be getting paid or count $3 million to get your cap or you can save $3 million against the cap. Get rid of him. Draft somebody in the sixth or seventh round who's pretty good on special teams. There's your solution. All right, this is the point of the podcast. I, I kind of been dreading it. it. It might be the hardest one for me. I hate to say it, man, but I, I got to be honest with you. My gut feeling is not only is it realistic, but my gut feeling tells me that the Bills are going to move on from Trey White. I hate it, but this is a business, man. This is a business. And here's the... Here's the business details when it comes to Trey White. 16.4, almost $16.5 million is his cap hit for this season. If the Bills were to cut him today, they would have to eat $10.4 million in dead cap space, and they would save $6 million against the cap to cut him right now. If they wait to June 1st, 6.4 dead now, 4.1 dead in 2025, and they would save $10 million in the, against the cap. But again, that would be a post-June 1st designation, and they wouldn't see that money until then. There's lots of possibilities with Trey. I want to put that out there. It's possible, at least hypothetically, where the bills could go to him and restructure his deal right now. And it would have to be, of course, because of the injuries, not guarantees. Kick money down the curb, pay cut, something where Trey White could go to training camp and have a chance, an opportunity to prove that he is still the Trey White that was a phenomenal player until the first injury a couple of years ago. But I look at this roster, and here's the thing. I look at this roster right now. You tell me, folks. You tell me. You like Christian Benford is a legitimate number two corner. I thought he was one of the team's most unsung players on the entire roster this year. I thought he was fantastic. I thought him being out of the playoff game against Kansas City really hurt them. And He's still got two years left of a rookie contract and as a six-round pick, his cap hit is nothing, man. It's nothing. So to me, Christian Bedford is locked in as one of your two corners. 
And then you got Kyrie Lum, who has been a big disappointment. But for whatever reason, the Bills did not trade him last year before the deadline. They still have some faith in the kid. Now, I don't think Kyrie Lum is ever going to be a, a starter, a good starter. Let me just put it out there. And that's just my personal opinion. But I mentioned this earlier. I can see Kyrie Lum being the 2023 version of Dane Jackson. He's going to play when you need him. And you're going to be able to get ample, at times, quality play from your corner. As, as your backup boundary corner. Sign me up for that with Kyrie Lum. I'm not looking to trade him for a seventh round pick. I know there's people out there right now who would give him away for nothing. By the way, you're not cutting Kyrie Lum because you would literally save $0 against the cap. So unless he's just absolutely awful in, in the locker room and meetings that we don't know about, the Bills ain't cutting him. But anyway, that's your guy there. And then you go to Russell Douglas. Russell Douglas, you see what he is. He was a force for the Buffalo Bills, and you got him back next year at $9 million. And that's not to say the Bills don't go to, to Russell Douglas this offseason and say, you know what? Hey, let's do a two or three year deal. We can even get that cap down to three, $4 million for 2024. So I kind of feel like Russell Douglas, despite the fact that I had him on his list, and I put him on this list because realistically, the Bills save $9 million by cutting him. But I don't think it's going to happen. You got Russell Douglas. You got Benford. You got Elam. My point is, folks, where's Trey White fit in here? You tell me. Where does Trey White fit in? He's been injured twice, two major injuries now in three years. Haven't heard from him. We have no idea how he's doing. We have no idea what his headspace is at. But even let's just say for the sake of discussion, he's still all in. He's still committed. He thinks he's going to be able to get healthy. We saw with the ACL, it took him half a last half of a season to uh, even get okay. He came back in late 2022. He was a shell of himself. He looked fantastic the first month of this season before he uh, tore the Achilles. But my point is, he was a shell when he first came back. So even if he came back this year, are you going to be confident that he's going to look like this past year's training camp, Trey White? I don't think so. So you had that in, and then you add in the money. And again, I hate to say it, but this is a business, man, and it's a no-brainer. To me, personally, it's almost a no-brainer. Because if you don't think it is, then you tell me. Again, where? What do you do with Benford? What do you do with Douglas? And I don't want to hear Trey White playing safety, all right? That's not going to happen. Christian Benford, there was talk last year of moving him to safety. I get that. But why would you move a guy who has proven to be a really good number two corner? Why would you want to move him to safety? Now, none make any sense to me. So I think that there's a really good chance. Unfortunately, one of my favorite players, I've had his jersey, a leader, a great player when he was healthy, one of the most likable players this team's had in a very long time. But I think short of him taking a major pay cut or a restructure or whatever you want to call it, Think he might be done. And by the way, if he does feel confident, he wants to keep playing. He's healthy. Uh, why would he? Why would he want to take so much less money? Why would he not want to go somewhere else and, and try to get a bigger deal? Maybe he might feel, you know, shunned a little bit by the Bills. That hey, you're coming to me now. You're telling me to take three, four million dollars this year. Not going to happen. So anyway, I, I, I fear, and I think that we might have seen the last of uh, of Trey White in Buffalo. Two more here. 
Naeem Himes, I got it number two. $5.48 million cap hit. So basically $5.5 million cap hit. That is a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a great number two running back. I mean, top of the line, backup running back, $5.5 million. That's a hell of a lot of money. And the Bills would only have to eat a half a million of dead cap, and they would save $4.9 million. That's a lot of money to save for a guy who would be a backup to James Cook who has emerged as a legitimate number one uh, Buffalo Bills running back. In fact, he was the fourth leading rusher in the NFL this year. The only way Naheem Hines is staying a Buffalo Bill is if he takes a pay cut. Straight up. Brandon Bean, if he hasn't done so already, plus not to mention he's coming off an, a major injury as well. Literally didn't even play last season. And I like Naheem Hines. I like him coming out of the backfield. He's a good weapon catching the ball. He can run the ball a little bit. Really good special teams player. Saw him uh, return two kickoffs against New England at the end of 2022 for touchdowns. So it's not that I don't like the player. But again, we're talking dollars and cents here. And I keep hammering this home. This is not like the last couple of years. There's going to be tough financial decisions that have to get made because of the salary cap. And I just don't see a player that falls in line with that more than Naheem Hines. So I could see him getting cut. And then number one, I'm going to go with Deontay Hardy. $5.57 million cap hit for this year. Uh, the Bills would eat about $1.4 million if they were to cut him. And uh, they would save about $4.2 million if, uh, or dead cap, or I'm sorry, $4.2 million they'd get in cap relief right now if they were to cut him. I kind of feel like that's a lock. That's a lot of money. I mean, you're paying a guy... $5.5 million to, to basically be your punt returner. And even returning kicks, basically your punt returner who makes a handful of plays throughout the season. That's that's what Deontay Hardy did. And I don't want to downplay his contribution in the Miami game. I mean, obviously that was the turning point of the game. But is that enough to bring back a guy for another year who offensively simply was not what Brandon Bean and what Sean McDermott were hoping he would be when they when they signed him, I really don't think so. So you, you think about $4.2 million. In fact, you go to the last two people here, Naheem Hines and Deontay Hardy, and you're talking over $9 million just by cutting those two. So that's cutting 20% of your salary cap deficit right now uh, just by cutting those two players. So I, I, I think those are locks. Go through this list one more time, kind of talking here on the fly. Uh, again, my personal opinion, 10, Vaughn Miller, he'll be back. Nine, Russell Douglas, next, please. He'll be back. Number eight, Conor McGovern, I think he's back. Number seven, Sam Martin, don't really care either way. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to have to make the team over the course of the summer. Jordan Poyer and Mitch Morse, six and five on my list. Uh, do I want them both back? Yes. I think Jordan Poyer, potentially, they, the Bills can move on from him. I hope they don't, but I think they can. Uh, Mitch Morse, I think he stays, but I think he stays because he works out some kind of restructure. The Bills work out something to get that cap number down this year. And by the way, could happen with Jordan Poyer too, and I would not be the least bit surprised if it did, and I hope it does. I just want to put that out there. Uh, Saran Neal could go either way. Again, I I'm tired of paying guys who are special teamers, 
three and a half million dollars against the cap. That's just not worth the money to me. Three, Trey White, gonna break my heart, but I think uh I think our boy, if he plays at all anywhere in 2024, I don't think it's gonna be with the Buffalo Bills because of what they already have at corner. Um, and then number two, Naheem Hines, and number one, Deontay Hardy. Good players, speed players, but the Bills could live without them and they could get much cheaper labor to save against the cap there. So anyway. That is going to do it for this episode. Thank you again for watching, for listening, for uh, me losing my voice here over the last five minutes or so. I can literally feel it. But uh, appreciate you all. And again, Monday, big, big episode on Monday, six-year anniversary episode in the fourth annual podcast around table. Bruce Nolan, Greg Thompson, Joe Marino. Talk to you then. Have a good weekend.